Hey, come on. Good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? Feel good? Oh, yeah. What a room. Come on. I'm looking around here. It's such a fantastic room. And I know that for a variety of reasons, people still come in on the Sunday morning. So if there's a seat near you, if you don't mind just squeezing in just a little bit, we've got some people in the back that are going to be looking for a seat. That would be a tremendous help. I hope that you've already been greeted today by someone. This is such a friendly church. And if for whatever reason you've been missed, let this be a personal greeting to all of you. Just tell you we love you. We're glad you're here. A full disclosure this week as I was praying for you and for today. I was just overwhelmed with just uh, appreciation to pastor such a wonderful church. Kimberly and I, my wife and I, our family, just tremendously honored. And you all are a beautiful people, and this is the highlight of my life. And I'm glad you're here today, whether you're at our South Metro Atlanta campus or looking in the cameras in the back of the room. If you're part of our West Side campus on the West Side of Atlanta, we greet all of you. Germantown, Maryland, we greet you. Everybody online, literally watching around the globe, we say God bless you today. I know we typically applaud each other and greet each other. When we do it this morning, can we clap like it's the first time we've ever done it? Come on, let's greet one another in Jesus' name. Let's go. I like it. I do. I like it. And then, of course, you know we've got a tradition here before we get into the message that we pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military or those that are veterans of the military, also all of the courageous first responders. So here's what I'd like to do. If you're active in the military, you're a veteran of the military, or your job considers you to be a first responder, maybe you're a EMT, paramedic, firefighter, police officer, I just want you in just a moment, I ask you to lift your hand. This room's going to go crazy for you at every campus. And if you see somebody near you with their hand up, if you don't mind tapping them on the shoulder and give them a good at a boy or at a girl. You ready? Come on, all of you in the military, veterans, first responders, here we go. Come on, let's go. Let's make some noise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, a little louder. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. God bless you. Hey, it's great. That's wonderful. All right, and then one more little bit of encouragement for you today. Uh, when I was in college over 20 years ago, uh, the Lord put in my life a really great friend. His name is Johnny Moore. Uh, many of you know Johnny because he's one of our legacy partners. Johnny serves on the mission field in Southeast Asia. He's been a full-time missionary there for 12 years, serving primarily in Thailand as kind of a home base, Cambodia, the Philippines. Uh, Myanmar has been a really active point of his ministry, but they're closed right now uh, due to the government. But Johnny is home for a little bit of time, and so he spent the weekend at our house uh, with me and Kimberly and the kids. And so I just thought, you know what, he's going to get on an airplane in a couple of weeks and head back to Southeast Asia. What if we just took a moment and encouraged him? So Johnny, why don't you run up here real quick. Would you encourage my friend and your friend Johnny Moore? Come on now. This is Johnny. Johnny, I love you, man. So, come on, love on him a little bit. Johnny, I love you, bud. I, uh, man, I'm proud of you. Really proud of you, man. I'm thankful for just your calling and your yes. Who would have thought when we were in college that I didn't even know you loved Jesus then. Come on, man. Well, look at us now, you know. I'm just proud of you. 12 years you've been on the mission field, and I want this church to bless you today. Many of you know that every year in the month of December, we take up an offering called the Legacy Offering. It's the only special offering that we do all year, and um, we're committed to giving 100% of that money away. So you got a couple months, if you're new to Go Church, to begin to ask the Lord now what amount of money you're going to give to the Legacy Offering. And we are overly committed through our accounting and bookkeeping that every single penny that you give in that offering, we're going to give away. So Johnny, because of the beautiful generosity of these people here at Go Church, we're going to present you with a big old fat check today, bud, in the amount of $10,000. Come on, how's that? Come on. Oh, let's go, church. Come on. Can you say thanks be to God? Come on. Woo! I, I love it. Johnny, do they take these size of checks in Southeast Asia, man? I might be able to do like a, a mobile deposit or something. Yes. 
Johnny, take a moment and just talk um, to the Go Church family for a second. I, I want to say thank, thank you, someone, for our friendship and just yeah. how, how incredible you and Kimberly and family have been over the years. Just, uh, I mean, like a brother to me, we've known each other for years, but, but you all have opened up your arms to me through, by relationship of, of you know, your love for your pastor. I want to say thank you so much because of all that that you've given over so this legacy offering it is it is people like me and and the city of refuge house of chairs the, the stuff that you do in india all, all these places it, we couldn't do it without partnerships like you all and because of of, of you we're going to be able to 2020 and 2021 were cre- incredibly difficult years but through your generosity we were able to do feeding programs we were able to plant new churches ministry didn't stop because of covid uh, but y- your generosity just rose up even more and and this year we're going to be able to do more church plants and more feeding programs things that that otherwise would not be possible and and i just want to say thank you so much this if like pastor jc said with this this legacy offering pray what god wants to do i mean because this it really does leave a legacy of what we're able to do and the lives that are able to hear about jesus for the first time because god put on your heart to, to do something to help so i just want to say thanks so much and and for being faithful. I love it. Give yourselves a hand. I love it. We, uh, in our, in our house, uh, we call him Uncle Johnny. This is Uncle Johnny. And yesterday we were, were, we were swimming in the pool and, and I got so tickled. Can I tell this story? London says, you know, my daughter, she's seven. She says to Uncle Johnny, she was like, I want to give you a haircut. And so Johnny's like, well, I mean, all right, let's get a haircut. So he lays on the floor, and London's going through this whole process to give him a haircut, and obviously he needed one. Come on now. And, uh, and she says to him, she says, so where's your wife, Uncle Johnny? Where's your wife? And Johnny says, well, well I'm not married. And she goes, you're not married. So, Johnny, I just prophesy in Jesus' name <laughs> that there's somebody here today called to the mission field. <laughs> and... Uh, Hey, and all, all joking aside, we love you. Your heart is so pure, and the work that you're doing is you're changing, you're changing what heaven looks like. Would you just do us one small favor? Stretch your hands right here. Will you pray for him? And uh, he's going to stand in the gap for every missionary that we support here at Go Church and all the missionaries around the world. Father, I thank you for Johnny Moore. I thank you for Uncle Johnny. I thank you for the gift that he is. I thank you for the friend that he is. And I thank you for the impact that he's making. It is impossible for him not to feel human on certain days, days that he feels alone, days that he feels overwhelmed, days that he feels far away. I pray in those days that you would send him encouragement, hope, and joy. You tell us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I speak blessing over him. I pray continued favor in the strong name of Jesus. And I also pray protection over him with every bit of travel, every country that he enters and exits. Be with, exits, be with him, Lord. Use him in every village with every group of people. So many who would hear the name of Jesus for the very first time. Many he's preaching the gospel, and it's the very first time they've ever heard the gospel. So use him, Lord, to lead them to a personal relationship with you, Christ Jesus. Bless him and give him the desire of his heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, one more time. Love on Uncle Johnny. Come on. I love you, man. Proud of you. It's good stuff. All right. Stay with me one more second. Week number nine of a 10-week series called Summer School. We've been studying the book of Proverbs. We started this nine Sundays ago. Every week we are looking at a specific chapter and a particular verse, and we're unpacking that. And uh, I told you there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. That means there's one proverb for every day of the month. You've heard me say this over and over. Let's see if you've got it memorized in your heart. A proverb a day keeps the? That's right, the devil away. So today we're going to look at Proverbs 27, 17. Before we get into that, I know we prayed a moment ago for Johnny. Let's pray for our time together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's take 10 seconds kind of moment of silence, meditation, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, and then after 10 seconds, I'll close us in prayer. Jesus, if you can use anybody today, Lord, I'm asking you to use me. It is my genuine heartfelt prayer not to preach or promote my own agenda or gospel, but 
to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to give you honor in this message today. May you be glorified because you deserve it. I'm asking, Lord, for an anointing on my life. And for those listening, I thank you that your word never returns void. Here's my prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Be with us, meet us here, and do a transformational work in us and through us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. I know you've clapped a lot for a lot of reasons. Can we take five seconds and just love on the Lord? Come on, church. Woo. Love that. All right, let me encourage you to take some notes today. There's a, a blank sermon note card in a seat near you. If you're using your smartphone, you know, access the application there to take notes. Just turn that on vibrate or airplane mode so you don't get distracted. Today, week number nine of this series in the book of Proverbs, which is a book full of wisdom, we're looking at quite a familiar passage or proverb, Proverbs 27, 17. Uh, most of you know this. Many of you have it quoted or memorized. But here's what the Bible says, that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Every campus on the count of three, can we read this aloud together? Come on, let's do this heartfelt. One, two, three. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I'm not sure of a more important topic of conversation that brings more value to your spiritual life your spiritual growth, your spiritual formation, your spiritual maturity than talking about right friendships in your life. I think that this conversation today has the power to really change not just you but your family and generations to come if you're careful about right friendships and allowing certain people or not allowing certain people in or out of your sphere of influence. So today I want to talk to him. I give you some thoughts on, you know, friendship, and then the back end of this message, I'll share with you how we are very strategic and intentional with cultivating opportunities for you to establish God-centered, Christ-centered friendships here through Go Church. So take some notes today. Let's talk a little bit about the importance of friendship. I'll close with this verse at the end of the message, and we'll unpack the idea of how iron sharpens iron. But let's talk about friendship for a moment here. Here's the first thought. My advice to you would be that you choose your friendships carefully. Um, I use the idea of my here because this is, this is true for me as well. Now, don't think that this teaching point is age-specific. So when you got children or you got teenagers, you got grandkids, you think, well, they need to be careful of who they choose in their, in, to, to be a part of their life. But with all due respect, I've seen a lot of grown-ups make some dumb choices, and that's been directly connected to the people that they run with. Can I get an amen? amen. So you need, you need to be careful with who you allow into your sphere of influence, into your life, into your circle. For 22 years, I've been in full-time ministry. 13 of those 22 years, Kimberly and I were committed full-time to the next generation. We, we worked with kids' ministry and youth ministry for a long time. And I would tell our students this thought like every Wednesday. And I think it's still true for us regardless of the season or the age of where we are now. You show me your friends, I'm going to show you your future. Uh, let me say it like this. You will always act like who you run with. So you better be careful who you run with. You show me your five closest friends right now. I'll tell you where your life will be in five years. Because if you show me your friends, I'll tell you the direction that you're headed. And you've got to be really, really intentional with, I'm going to allow certain people in, but watch this. You also may have to have some tough conversations and tough decisions by the toxic people that you cut off. By the relationships that you need to sever because you're on a spiral of destruction simply because of the influence of the people that you're hanging out with. But let me ask you this question. It's rhetorical, but, but who's in your entourage? So the definition of entourage is a group of people surrounding an important person. Let me tell you, I'm important, y'all. Come on, somebody. Now, I may not be important to you, but my mom's watching online. I'm important to mama. Come on now. But I'm also important to God, and so are you. 
1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a part of a royal family. There, there is royalty in your bloodstream. Does that make sense? In your veins, there is this royal bloodline. And, and if our father is the king of kings, that means all you ladies really are princesses. Come on now. And us here fellas, we really are a prince. So it is important who we surround ourselves with because we are important. And the enemy is after our soul because he knows how valuable we really are to the kingdom of God and to God himself. And so who's in your entourage? Who are you running with? Who are you doing life with? Here's two Proverbs here around this particular thought. Proverbs 12, 26. A righteous person should choose his friends how? Carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. I won't have you raise your hand on every point. But anybody ever fall into that trap? You got around the wrong people. And one day you looked up and you thought, how in the heck did I end up here? Here's another Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows. By the way, that's a promise. That's a promise that if you hang around wise people, you will mature. But a companion of fools suffers harm. One translation says, if you hang around wise people, you'll be wise. But if you run with stupid people, you'll end up stupid yourself. I like that translation. Come on. Choose carefully who you let into your entourage. Be very, very careful. Here's a second thought about friendships. I would encourage you to nurture the important friendships that you have. I feel like while there's a lot of good to social media, that social media has really contaminated the idea of friendships. Social media has really damaged the definition of friendship. So we have all these social media platforms, and as soon as, you know, those of us that are older, we get familiar with one platform, they create another one. They have all these platforms out there, but all of them have the same goal, is that you get friends, you get followers, you get, you get likes, people get to kind of see your world, which also means what you ate for lunch. Come on now. And so what social media has done is it's made us think that the goal of friendship is 5,000 friends. So you can max out your Facebook page with 5,000 friends, but let me tell you, they ain't all your friends. Bad grammar, good preaching. Can I get an amen? They're not all your friends. You ever been on your, your Facebook timeline and somebody posts something, you're like, now who are they? Where did they come from, you know? So the goal is not 5,000 friends. If, if you, in your lifetime, if you can get five friends, five friends that love you, believe in you, care for you, challenge you, are willing to pull out of you what God put on the inside of you, you better nurture those friendships because those friendships are important. Here's what I'm saying. Fight for those friendships. Invest into those friendships. Those people need you and you need those people. Don't let those people get, get out of your life easily. No, be intentional about making investments and going to dinner and, and having coffee and taking, taking trips and letting them buy you things. Come on, somebody. You need rich, you need rich friends. Come on now. And loaded friends. Anybody receive that? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Money won't make you happy. But a good godly friend, nurture that. The Bible says this, and I love this particular translation here for this verse, uh, the Passion Translation, TPT. Proverbs 17.7 says it this way, a dear friend will love you no matter what. By a show of hands, anybody got a friend like that? Like you got a friend that even when you end up in jail, they still love you? Come on, somebody. Like they gonna, they'll bail you out, they'll tell you you're an idiot, but they love you no matter what? That's a, that's a dear friend, and you need to nurture that type of friend. Watch. And a family uh, sticks together through all kinds of trouble. So be intentional about the friendships and relationships that are already in your life that you know God put there. Nurture them. Invest into them. Fight for them. Surround yourself with people that will push you towards the things of God. And I'm telling you, as your pastor... And cut off the relationships with the people that are trying to pull you away from the things of God. You need people that will help you set yourself up through God for success. 
You don't need people that are trying to cut you out from underneath your legs and make you fall and fail. Does that make sense to anybody? So choose carefully those relationships. Nurture the important relationships. And then watch this. And then initiate some meaningful friendships. Some years ago, and I was trying to remember, Kimberly, how old Lakeland was. But he was little. And we had gone to lunch to a Chinese restaurant. And at the end of the meal, like any good Chinese restaurant, they gave us a fortune cookie. Now let me preface this story with this truth. Your pastor doesn't believe in the wisdom of fortune cookies. Nor do I read my horoscope. Come on, somebody. Everything I need to know about my life is found in the authority of God's word. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Can I get an amen? But sometimes, I figured this. If God can use a donkey to speak truth, maybe he can use a fortune cookie. So one day we're at lunch. Lake was small. We finish our meal. The fortune cookies come. Lakeland opens up the fortune cookie. He looks on the back. We had to flip it over because the one side was his lottery tickets. Come on, can I get a witness? <laughs> Flipped it over. And here's what the fortune cookie said. The only way to make a friend is to be one. Now, again, Lake was little. But for the last seven, eight, nine years, that thought has run through our family's conversation. That the only way to make a friend is to be one. Now, the good news is, is that is actually a proverb. Proverbs 18.24. A man who has friends must himself be. This is why some of y'all don't have any friends. I'm telling the truth. I know it's funny. But some of you are wondering, why don't I have any friends? Because you're a jerk. You're not kind. You're not patient. You're not considerate. You're always negative. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Come on, if they're on your road, say, he's preaching right at you. <laughs> the only way to make a friend is to be one. Look, the older I get, the less I want to hang out with people that are always poor, pitiful me. The less I want to hang out with people that I, I can be having a great day, and I get around somebody that's always negative, always doom and gloom, and I'm like, hey, what a great day. And they're like, is it? <laughs> really? Have you seen the news? And I'm like... Okay, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. It can be a beautiful, isn't it a beautiful day? Well, two days from now, it'll be raining. Well, my God, it's today. We'll talk about the rain in 48 hours. But today, the sun is shining. The birds are singing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't, listen to me. I don't need your negativity in my life. I need to surround myself with people that are positive. If I wanted negativity, I'd watch the news 24-7. Instead, I choose to run with people that we can talk about the goodness of the Lord and not the curses of the enemy. I'm trying to connect with people in my life that I just believe they will encourage me in the Lord, edify me in the Lord, pray for me when I need it. And some of you are thinking, I can't ever get a meeting with Pastor JC. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I ain't got time for that. Look at somebody and say, ain't nobody got time for that. No, you want to be friend. You got to be friendly. You want friends. You have to be friendly. Well, some of y'all are getting this anyway. Let me give you a few reasons why I think you to initiate friendships, Christ-centered, God-focused friendships. Here's a few thoughts. I need people that will care for me. Hey, listen to me. Lean in for a second. I know you're taking notes, but watch this. When it comes to friendships, it's okay to be selfish. It's all right to be self-centered when it comes to your friends. Be very, very careful here. And I'm telling you, I need people in my life that are going to care for me. And what's happening with culture and society is we've become overly independent. Now, I don't know if that's, if that's genuine or disingenuous. I don't know if that's real or fake. But people act like they don't need help. I'm standing up here, God is my witness. There are times that I can't care for myself. I need somebody to care for me. I got like three people that said amen. Come on. People come into church on Sunday, and I'm not just talking about go church, but they come into church on Sunday, and you ask them how you're doing. I'm fine. You just lied. In the house of God, you're not fine. Like you're broken. You're hurting. Why? Listen to me. Because we all go through stuff. And, and look. The idea of caring for one another, it's like a really big deal in the Bible. 
it's like a really huge missional responsibility of the New Testament church that this, as dysfunctional as it is, we are the family of God. So it's our responsibility to care for one another, to bear one another's burdens. In the New Testament church, if, here's an example. If somebody had a financial need, you know what they did? They, like, they had a big yard sale. And they would put all their stuff in a yard sale. And they'd say, hey, we're selling stuff because, because the Jones, if that's your name, God bless you. If the Jones family, they're going through trouble and, and we're going to pitch in and help. Now, I know that people take advantage of stuff like that, but we are called to help one another, to care for one another. And if you want to be a part of this Go Church family, you have to be okay with us, like, caring about you. Because that's my heart. Like, I really care. It's why I've aged so much (laughs) since pastoring this church. All this gray hair. London will get in my lap. She'll rub my face. Daddy, where would all that gray hair come from? And I'll just start naming y'all. (laughs) ain't that the truth come on but thanks be to God I still got it up here come on some anyway whatever I need people to care for me I I need people to encourage me the the very definition of the word encourage is to lift one's spirit by show of hands how many of you ever been discouraged before you've been discouraged yeah me too man there are times I just need somebody to like call me and text me and check on me. What I'm about to tell you is not a newsflash. I've shared this with you before, um, and it is very vulnerable, and I, I shouldn't be disappointed in it because we're all human, but I went through a season about two years ago where I just, I wrestled with some depression, like hardcore. And what's interesting about that is, is like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an overly anxious guy, like I'm not... I'm not, f- like, full of worry or fear. Up until that point, I don't remember ever having a panic attack. But when COVID hit, something happened to me in my leadership. Not so much with my family. I feel like I still functioned really well as, you know, the world's best husband and dad. <laughs> but just like, man, the church doors shut. The world closed. And, like, I just, man, it just got me. And then, like, if that wasn't enough... You know, we had, uh, did you know that there was like this crazy presidential election not long ago? So like, let's put that on top of it. And I had people in the church, you know, like, you need to support this candidate and you need to tell people not to vote for that candidate. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is all about King Jesus here. You vote whatever, I'm going to preach Jesus. This is, I'm not called to be a political activist, I'm called to be a pastor. So if you're looking for a church that's going to tell you about politics, there's a lot of them out there, but it ain't here. We're going to preach the kingdom. Can I get an amen from somebody? King Jesus. But people didn't like that. People left. And then if that wasn't enough, we walked through all of the racial injustices. And so I tried to navigate, I'm being very honest here, I tried to navigate that as a, as a white pastor leading a beautifully diverse congregation. So if I said anything, people got upset. If I didn't say anything, you don't care. I couldn't win. So I just decided one day, and this is the truth. You may laugh, but this is the truth. I told Kim, I'm like, I'm not going to get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. I felt the weight of, like, anxiety and it wasn't like this long, drawn, I'm not try, and I'm not trying to exaggerate that either. And some pastors, when they tell stories, can exaggerate. But I didn't know what I was going through. And one day, Kimberly came upstairs, and I was just, I was low. I was just defeated. She's like, why don't you come downstairs? And I was like, okay. So I walked downstairs, and in the living room is Jeremy Isaacs. And Jeremy is, he's my best friend. He lives in Cherokee County, north side of Atlanta, Canton area. And it's an hour and a half drive when the traffic's behaving. Come on, somebody. And he's in my living room because he knew his friend was discouraged. And before I could say, what are you doing here? I just broke. And two grown dudes 
held each other until it got awkward. Can I get an amen from somebody? <laughs> Finally, I was like, I think I'm good. And he's like, just hang in there. I'm like, no, I think I'm good. He's like, just a little tighter. <laughs> Johnny lives on the other side of the world. And he'll text me or FaceTime. How you doing? I'm praying for you. Man, I just want to encourage you today. You're doing a really good job. Can I just tell you, you need people like that. And watch this. And I know some of you are like, well, I have God. God can do all. Amen. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, I'm pretty sure that the Lord can give you encouragement. But your Bible says in Hebrews that it's our responsibility to encourage one another every day. One of the ways that I've found that God encourages us is through people. Like he just, he wants to encourage you, so he'll send people along the way to give you that encouraging word. You don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to say amen, but have you ever just felt down and then somebody called you with no other purpose, no other reason, or they text you? They didn't, they didn't want anything other than to tell you, I'm thinking about you, I love you. You know what that does for you? So imagine, let me ask you this, who's encouraging you and who are you encouraging? Uh, this is a two-way responsibility here. So watch this. I, I need people in my life that are going to care for me. They're going to encourage me. And I need people to protect me. Look at somebody on your row and say, you're one small decision away from stupid. Go ahead and tell them that. Yeah, look at the other person and say, you're one decision away from the Jerry Springer show. Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> one decision. Can I get an amen from that? <laughs> this is how I wanted to say it. But I didn't know how you would take it. I was going to say, tell them, you're one small decision away from stupid, stupid. But I didn't, think, I didn't think I needed to say stupid, stupid twice. But anyway, I digress. We are human beings. And we are going to do dumb things. Thank you to those that are being honest. And I think a lot of times in our life, watch this, a lot of times in our life, what we're walking through is self-inflicted. Now, I'll talk about me, but I'm really good at when I'm going through a storm, I want to blame God. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you punishing me? I remember, I'm, I don't have time for every story, but I mean, I've, I've been honest. God, why are you upset? And the Lord's been like, that ain't on me. You're just an idiot. And then I'm like, because then if it's not God's fault, it's got to be Satan's fault. It's the devil. You give the devil too much credit for your stupidity. Devil, why are you after me? And he's like, that ain't me either. I got to agree with God on this one, you big dummy. <laughs> he's a moron, you know. Look at somebody next to you and say, I think he's really preaching to you. I'm glad, I'm glad you came today. One small decision away from, from Stu. I need, I need people who will protect me. Some of the worst decisions that I have ever made. And I'm not casting blame or pointing the finger. i got to take ownership and responsibility. But it's because I surrounded myself with people that didn't protect me. They set me up. They set me up. Unintentionally or intentionally. But they set me up. And the older I get, the more I realize, man, there's a great calling on my life. There's a great calling on your life. And you're fighting a real enemy. You recognize that, right? And he's seeking whom he may devour. So who's protecting you? Like who, who's watching out for you? Watch what the Bible says here. I love this verse. Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing how? Yeah, they can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and become victorious. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Pastor Ben, this one, run up here real quick. Come on. Let, let me just show you this. You look at me. I'm standing up here all by myself, and I'm not talking just about fist fights as much as I'm talking about, like, just spiritual warfare. But you're looking at me up here all alone. Step out of the screen for a second. So this, there you keep going. A little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. I'm just kidding. You, that's plenty. <laughs> you're looking at me all by myself, and you're like, you know what? I can take him down, and maybe you can. I'm not the strongest guy in the room, but don't you ever get it twisted. JC does stand for Jackie Chan. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it does not, but I will. So when I'm alone, I have the opportunity to find myself, what? Attacked and defeated. 
But when I get Big Ben right here, come on somebody, and he's got my back, oh, all of a sudden your story changes, doesn't it? The tune changes because now I'm rolling deep, y'all. Now I can see what's coming that way, and my brother can see what's coming that way. And when he's got my back, I wish I had 100 people would help me preach. Come on. When he's got my back and I got his back, now we're walking somewhere together, What? right? But what's the Bible say? The Bible doesn't say two. It says, it says three. Johnny, come on up here, bud. Because it's not just one or two, but you've got an entourage. You, you stand like that. You, you stand, you stand like, like this right there. Watch it. You going to mess with us? This is Larry, Curly, and Mo. Come on, somebody. You don't want none of this. Don't make me pull my hair out. Come on, somebody. No, you got you to gotta stand back to back just like this. And now, no matter where the enemy comes at you, you've got a full defense. You've got a full defense. Stay right here, guys. Some of you feel like you're all alone. God never intended for you to go through life alone. God called you to stand back to back, arm in arm, shoulder in shoulder, Fight the devil and you will win. Come on and say amen. Let's go. Come on. Woo. I've never wanted to, I've never wanted to punch you guys so bad in my life. Woo. I need people that will care for me, encourage me, protect me, and pray for me. Pray for me when I can't pray for myself. Life is hard, and we all go through it. The message translation of Ephesians 6.18, Paul, what's interesting about this, I don't have, give me a few minutes. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to take just a minute. Leading up to Ephesians 6, Paul is talking about the, the, the family structure, the family unit, the way that a, a godly family should operate, relationships. And then you turn into Ephesians 6 and he says, therefore put on the full armor of God. Because we're going to war. Life is war. It's war with the enemy. And, and now this is the message translation because I like how it really connects to the conversation. Paul says prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. So, so you can't just have a microwave prayer. No, you got to pray long and you got to pray what? You got to pray hard. Watch. And pray for your brothers and your sisters. And if you look down your row right now, whatever campus you're a part of, some of you are sitting with your family, and some of you are sitting alone. No matter how well you know them or how well you don't know them, you really have no idea all the weight that they carry today and all the stuff they're going through. And I know for me that it just feels good to know that somebody believes in me enough to pray for me. Some years ago, I got really convicted because when people would come and ask for prayer, I would say, well, I'll be praying for you. And one time, uh, an individual came and asked me for prayer, and I said, you know what, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be praying for you. And they walked off, the Lord was like, why don't you just pray for them now? Like, they asked for it now. You're here now. You're going to forget later. So I was like, hey, you know what? Come on, let's pray. Is it Matthew 18, 19? You can write that down and correct me if I'm wrong. But talks about that if, if two will just touch and agree on anything, there's something about coming together like hand in hand, heart to heart, soul to soul. I'm going to pray for you right now. You don't have to tell me every God. God knows every single hair that's on your head. He's got them numbered. So he knows every tear. He knows every cry. You may tell me all of it. You may not tell me all of it. But I do know this, that I can pray for you. And I believe that when you can't pray for yourself, that God hears my prayer on your behalf. Anybody ever had somebody pray for you and you're thankful for that? Yeah, like we got, we got to pray for people. So, so watch this. Let me go back here. So I need people that will care for me, encourage me, Protect me and pray for me. And this is now the second half of the conversation. I'll do it real quick. It's how we try to cultivate this here at Go Church. We, we do it through, through small groups. We call them groups. And there are three thoughts on groups that I want to share with you. The first thought is this. Being in a group allows you the opportunity, a place for you to be known. And every single one of us desire to be known. 
None of us want to be another face in the crowd. Even, even those that are overly introverted, and that's not a bad thing. They still want to know that somebody cares for them. Somebody knows them. And I'm not telling you put all your business out there, but we all want somebody to know our successes and our challenges. Our victories and our failures. It's why, we, it's why we're so driven to social media, because we want people to know what's going on. We all want to be known. We want people to know that we've got struggles and we've got issues or that our, our child, you know, passed that big exam or we got the promotion on the job or you know what, I got, I got laid off unexpectedly. We all desire to be known and I'll, I'll prove it to you because this is, this is God's heart. The very first problem in the Bible, the very first issue in the Bible was not sin, it was solitude. You read your Bible, Genesis 2. God created man. When he looked at man, what did he say? You know it. It is not good for man to be alone. That's the very first problem is solitude. He's like, I did not create you to go through life alone. I created you so that you could know people and they could know you and you could have community and do life together. And he put his stamp on that through the local church. Does that make sense? You, you want to be known. And the New Testament church, they did this really, really well. So not only did they go to the temple courts, not only did they go to church on Sundays, but then they went house to house. And some of y'all need to go to somebody's house, invited. Can I get an amen? Come on now. Like, don't just be like, not, not, not. the pastor said I could come hang out. What you cooking? <laughs> but you need to go house to house. I love you enough to tell you this. So please hear my heart, not just these words. Church on Sunday is not enough it's not enough church on sunday should be an opportunity listen to me for a second where we come together and we celebrate what god has done all week long and then all week we're back on the mission field we're going house to house being disciple getting in the word reaching lost at any cost and then we come back sunday and we testify about the goodness of god you need more than just sunday you need you need Friends, you can't maintain what your heart wants to maintain spiritually by just coming in and then as soon as it's over, leaving. We just need more than that. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you, taste and see. Just try groups this semester and you'll be, you'll be shocked at it. We preach this all the time. We believe that real life change happens in the context of relationships. Real life change. And you could insert after context of, you could put a blank there and insert healthy relationships or unhealthy relationships. Your life is going to be changed. If they're healthy, your life is changed by healthy relationships for the good. If you surround yourself with unhealthy relationships, your life will change. It will change, but it won't be for the good. Does that make sense? So groups provide for you a place to be known. Groups provide for you a place to be cared for through your divorce, through the death of a loved one, through the job loss, through the transition, through the move, just through life, just somebody care for me. Listen to me. The only way that a big church can stay small is through groups. The responsibility of pastoral care for Go Church at three campuses, I couldn't hire that enough. Our small groups, our small group leaders have to be the ones that are caring for you, doing life with you, being there for you in your times of need. All right, let me give you this and I'll wrap this up. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, and you might be what? Healed. All right, let me give you this. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins to God, he is both faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. So 1 John 1, 9 teaches that if you confess your sins to God, you get forgiveness. And you need to be forgiven. We, all, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We confess our sins to God. He forgives us. James 5, 16 says that if we confess our sins to each other, we find healing. Healing. Some of you, it's not about confessing your sins for forgiveness as much as it is you've got issues in your heart, your, your heart's not been healed. 
because life has been hard and you've built up walls. But if you'll get in a group with people that will care for you and pray for you and encourage you and, 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 you'll experience healing. Third thought, and then I'll show you a quick video. Watch this. Groups provide a place for you to be challenged. On the count of three, every campus yell challenged. One, two, three. All right, let's go back to the very first proverb that kicked off this day. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. What an interesting metaphor here that the writer uses to talk about iron sharpening iron. So what happens when iron sharpens iron? There's tension. There's confrontation. There's friction. There's heat. You see where I'm going? But all of those things are necessary because through the tension, through the heat, through the, through the confrontation, through, through all of it, they begin to sharpen one another. So the writer is saying that real Christ-centered friendships are going to challenge you. They're not only going to encourage you, but they're going to hold you accountable. And what we've all done is the moment that somebody challenges us, we, we put the hand, we don't want to, we're done. What if God doesn't want you to push those relationships away, but he actually wants you to embrace some of them? Now, I'm not saying they take advantage of you and they're mean to you. That's not the heart of that thought. The heart of the thought is, do they love you enough to sharpen you, even if it means there has to be a hard conversation? Iron sharpens iron. And what happens? It is mutually beneficial for both pieces of iron because the knife or the blade through the tension and the heat and the friction becomes sharper than it was prior to the iron sharpening iron, and now it can be used for its full intent and purposes. Groups, known, cared for, and challenged. Two-minute video, and then I'll pray for you. Check this out. My name is Tiago Roy. I go to the South Metro Atlanta campus here at Go Church. I've been attending the men's group Bible study here for about four or five months. Groups provide a place to be known where you're just more than a face in the crowd. I got invited in by a friend and ever since then, everyone has been so nice, reaching out to me, involved in my life. You can just tell that these guys really wanna do life together and just grow together in Christ. So groups provide a place to be cared for. I was going through something personal and feeling like I was like, I can't do this on my own. I need to reach out to somebody. Reached out to one of my friends in the group and he responded almost immediately and said, let's meet up tomorrow, what you doing for lunch? I knew that they were gonna respond and just always be there for me, meeting me for lunch, encouraging me. Groups provide a place to be challenged. You know, Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. These men are daily asking me, texting me, hey, how you doing on this or how you doing on that? So there is an accountability within the group that strengthens us brings us closer together in the group and also like in our personal faith journey. If you're on the fence about joining a group and, and you're not sure if you wanna do it or not, my question would be, why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you wanna have an accountability group to grow in the Lord, to grow in each other, in each other's lives, to build friendships, to build a community? You know, that's what this church is all about. Hey, come on, can we encourage that testimony? Thank you. Really good, Tiago, appreciate you. All right, two minutes here, I'm off the stage. Let me give you just a couple of characteristics of, of groups here at Go Church. And it starts with this. We offer what we call social groups and study groups. So if, if you just want to try these groups out, the social groups, great place to start. They're very uh, interest-based. So we got all kinds of groups this semester that will be happening. Uh, if you want to play basketball, you want to go to golf, you want to play cornhole, we got them all. Got all the groups you can think of connected to a social group those groups always start in prayer they end in prayer there's an encouraging word but maybe just want to be social and get to know some people but then we offer a second tier which is study groups and this is like curriculum curriculum so you may there may be a group that requires you to buy a book you're going to study for 10 weeks about a particular topic but you're really going in to help you uh, form your spiritual faith and your journey mature and all of that. So you got social groups and study groups. We always do a semester-based. You and I are internally wired with a start and stop mindset. So September 11th, groups are going to start here at all of our campuses. They're 10 weeks long. That's it. 10 weeks. Start week one. Week 10, you end. 
And uh, I think it's a great commitment because it's not like a lifetime commitment. It's 10 weeks. And if you're sitting there thinking, I don't have time to be in a group, let me tell you, you don't have time to not be in a group. Reprioritize some things in your schedule because you need your family, your church family to do life with. And then here's the last thought. Everybody can join a group and you should join a group. We have groups for kids, for teenagers, for adults, young adults, senior adults, all kinds of groups available to you. So here's how the semester will work. Next Sunday, our group directory at every campus will become available. Before and after the gatherings, they'll be set up in the lobby with some tables. They'll also be made available digitally and online. You can see all of the groups. But I'm giving you this message one week in advance before groups registration happen. So you can begin now through some homework this week to pray and ask God, what group do you want me to be a part of? Next Sunday when I go to church and that group directory opens, show me the way because I want to plug in because I need to be known, I need to be cared for, and I need to be challenged. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. What the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today? What's the next step in your faith journey? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray this message was challenging, convicting, encouraging, but it motivates us to do life with others. Lord, next Sunday, these groups are going to open for, for people to sign up. Speak to our hearts now about what group we need to be a part of. Maybe somebody's here today and they think, man, I, I want to lead a group, though. Well, you're on the right Sunday here because right after church, we're having a group leader interest meeting and we're providing lunch so you can stay and get more information on what it looks like to lead a group. This semester, though, I believe that God is going to touch your heart, challenge you, and encourage you in great ways by your yes to getting in a group. All right, we honor you, Jesus, and we thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Were you blessed today at all? Come on, if you were, can you say amen to that?